stand by while NCLA cuts through the noise to signal abuse of administrative power. This is Administrative Static with Mark Chenoweth and John Vecchione. Welcome to Administrative Static with Mark Chenoweth and John Vecchioni. Good to have you with us again this week. Uh, we are joined by our uh, colleague here at the New Civil Liberties Alliance, Senior Litigation Counsel, Peggy Little. Peggy, welcome back to Administrative Static. Thank you, Mark. We're, we're, uh, we have Peggy here today for a couple of reasons, but we're going to start with a case uh, at the United States Supreme Court where Peggy has been uh, leading our uh, effort uh, once again against the Securities and Exchange Commission. I think your, your, your face may be on a poster on the wall over there, Peggy, but, uh, uh, but the case is Securities and Exchange Commission uh, v. George uh, R. Jarkissi Jr. and Patriot 28 uh, LLC. And this is the case where the uh, U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit had held that there were three different problems with the SEC's administrative uh, proceedings. It held that the uh, that the administrative law judges at the SEC were protected by multiple layers of protection from removal by the president and that that violated the take care clause of Article 2 of the Constitution. It held that there was a non-delegation problem because the Dodd-Frank Act left it up to the SEC to decide whether or not uh, you bring somebody in uh, for an administrative proceeding or you bring them into federal district court and didn't give the agency enough sort of direction about when it should do those things. Uh, and then third problem, and, and, and I think the one that, uh, that your amicus brief focuses the most on, uh, Peggy, is uh, this, this problem that these administrative proceedings don't have juries. And there's this pesky little thing called the Seventh Amendment that guarantees the right uh, to jury trials uh, in in civil cases, so uh, so that's so the, as I say, the Fifth Circuit uh, upheld this, and the SEC uh, uh, took this up to the U.S. Uh, Supreme Court, uh, where uh, which will be hearing it uh, this term. So, what were the particular arguments that uh, that you and your colleagues advanced uh, in this uh, Amicus brief uh, in the Jarkesy case? Where would you like to start, Peggy? I think uh, we start with the text of the Constitution, and that really decides the question on the jury uh, trial claim because the uh, jury trial clause of the uh, uh, Bill of Rights doesn't say you get a jury unless and until some agency decides you don't. <laughs> the, the agency uh, Trump clause that that doesn't exist. Yeah, and furthermore, the Constitution places the judicial power in the courts, and that is the specific language of Article Three, and also in Article One when it talks about Congress's power to uh, create lower courts. That doesn't mean a shift judicial power from courts to agencies. And yet that is what has been done under this scheme. Our amicus brief argues that you cannot read the Constitution um, consistently uh, with its language and its purpose and its history 
uh, and find these courts to be in any way constitutional. Yeah, I thought it was very interesting in the brief, uh, this, this idea that, that Congress doesn't have judicial power. And because Congress doesn't have judicial power, it can't give judicial power to these executive branch agencies, that the, the only thing it can do is set up lower courts within Article Three uh, that could handle these judicial responsibilities. But it can't take judicial responsibilities away from Article Three and give them to Article Two. Congress just, that's not one of the enumerated powers of Congress to, to do that. And the founders are passionate about that very issue, because if you give an executive the power to decide uh, the outcome of claims that it brings against American citizens without the mediation of a separate branch of government, which exclusively has the judicial power, then you give the executive the power to be prosecutor, judge, and jury. And that is exactly what the founders objected to. That is why they separated powers. That's why they put them in a separate branch. And that is why every American has a right to be tried in a court when the government is bringing claims against them that threaten their life, liberty, or property. Absolutely. And, and you know, if, if you're not someone, if you're someone who's listening and hasn't read these constitutional provisions, maybe you've read the children's book, If You Give a Mouse a Cookie. And Peggy and I have talked about this before. That's, that's the idea here. If you give the power to the executive, this judicial power, uh, then they're going to have this legislative power. They're going to have the executive power. They're going to have the judicial power. And they will, as Peggy uh, put it so eloquently, they will be uh, the prosecutor, the judge, uh, and the jury. Except there are no juries, which was <laughs> which was the other problem here. They don't even give you a jury. They're just the prosecutor and the judge, and I guess the executioner. Well, absolutely, because they do decide the penalties, and that is um, a very powerful thing. And and. Uh, there's a lot of deference to the administrative adjudication in terms of fact-finding, which also violates uh, the uh, Seventh Amendment jury trial, which provides for fact-finding by juries. Instead, the SEC sets up this system where its own in-house judge decides the fact, and then there is some possible um, subsequent review. The first level of that view also violates the Constitution because it's political review of an internal quote unquote, judicial decision, which is never permissible under any theory of the Constitution. And then if you can, can last that long, which very few people can, even when you get to a real court, it's a circuit court, every, all the deference are, uh, runs in favor of the agency, and you don't have any meaningful judicial review, which, by the way, the Supreme Court recognized in its decision in the Axon Cochran case last spring when it said that such delayed review would not be meaningful judicial review. And that was uh, that was Peggy's last victory at the Supreme Court for those who are, who are keeping count at home. Uh, but that was uh, but, but you're right. That was uh, that was an important uh, development uh, from that case. And so. Uh, the, the other thing that you that you mention in this brief that I think is interesting, Peggy, is that the uh, uh, w with regard to, uh, to to jury trials is that the SEC has the option uh, to force a jury trial on a defendant, uh, but but people like uh, George Jarkissi don't have a similar option. Why is? Can you explain that further? And why is that a problem? Well, first of all, the um, Bill of Rights gives rights to citizens, and and that is supposed to be citizens as against the exercise of government power. For this system to give um, the government 
rights to the power to uh, a jury trial or or at least the advantages sometimes of a jury trial, depending on the nature of the case, and deny them to the very citizens to whom the Sixth and Seventh Amendments were supposed to confer jury trial rights is, is really outrageous. And part of the problem is in a, a series of cases, one of them being Atlas Roofing, they talk about public rights as if somehow the government has been conferred rights uh, by a line of decision. Uh, our brief very carefully sets out why that line of reasoning is completely wrong and why what the Constitution is concerned with is government power as against our and, individual rights. And constraining that power, not, exactly. not enhancing it. So the right to a jury trial attaches to Americans, and certainly if the government gets it. Any ordinary citizen who is charged by the government must have it. Yeah, it seems like a blatantly discriminatory rule that Dodd-Frank set up here that the agency can, can by, by going to district court, can uh, force the, the, the jury trial if it wants to, but you might be forced into an administrative tribunal if they go the other direction. D doesn't that just turn your right into an option that, that, it, that you have or don't have based on the whim of the executive? That is absolutely correct. And it's not just uh, your jury trial rights. It's your due process rights. Um, it's your right to be tried in a court. All of those things have been transformed by the Dodd-Frank scheme into an option that you get only if the SEC deigns to allow that by suing you in federal court. There's no way that that is consistent with the conferral of rights upon citizens by the Constitution. One of the things that you've been very uh, vocal about, Peggy, is how the SEC behaved in the wake of the victory in the Cochrane uh, case, which is to say that they dismissed 42 pending enforcement actions, including Michelle Cochran's action. And it appears that they did this to avoid judicial review of the unconstitutionality of its proceedings. And, you know, I, I, I think of the children's nursery uh, school rhyme, uh, you know, the farmer in the dell and the, and the cheese stands alone. But, but, but here it's, it's George Jarkissi who stands alone. His okay. case, I, his I, case. You went a little the, ways for that one. <laughs> well, you know, well, uh, Mark, Mark and I have used another uh, metaphor, which I think may, may, may convey it better. Uh, once the Cochrane and Axon decision came down, it was very clear that um, people in the situation of George Jarkissi and Michelle Cochran would be able to make their constitutional claims in a federal court first. That was profoundly threatening to the government. Just weeks after that decision came down, the uh, SEC dismissed Michelle Cochran's case as the first of 42 open cases that it totally dismissed so that these people would not have the ability to challenge these uh, unconstitutional proceedings in a real federal court. That kind of manipulation of docket is shocking, disturbing, uh, amongst other things. Uh, the, uh, in the case of Michelle Cochran, the um, SEC certainly dismissed a case that had very little merit, if any, when it was filed. But amongst those 42 cases might be cases that the SEC was pursuing actual securities fraud. And rather than have its proceedings subjected to constitutional scrutiny, it simply tossed the cases. That tells you that the agency cares more about preserving its ability to uh, run roughshod over our constitutional rights rather than doing its job in protecting Americans against securities fraud. It sure does. And that's well said, Peggy. So this, this case is SEC 
uh, v. Jarkasi. Uh, it has it's now fully briefed uh, with amicus briefs and so forth. Well, I guess there'll be a an opportunity for a reply brief uh, for the for the team uh, yet. But stay tuned, and as there are more developments in this case, uh, we will bring them to you. Thanks, Peggy. You're welcome. <laughs>